Welcome to Wine Road, the wine, when, and where of Northern Sonoma County. I'm your host, Marcy Gordon, with Beth Costa, Executive Director of the Wine Road. Our podcast is on the air due to the financial support of River Road Family Vineyards and Winery. Owner Ron Rubin is a podcast supporter and a listener, just like you. Check out their website at riverroadvineyards.com and explore their beautifully crafted Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Old Vine Zinfandel, and Cabernet Sauvignon. That's riverroadvineyards.com. Welcome to Wine Road, episode 189. Today our guest is Brooke Hazen, and he is the owner and farmer at Gold Ridge Organic Farms right here in Sebastopol. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you. Yeah, I just drove just down the street, not far from here. Yeah, you're not far at all. You know, one of the great things about our area, it's not just wine grapes. We live in a real agricultural bounty here in Sonoma County. We have apples, we have olives, we have so much going on. And Brooke has this beautiful, beautiful farm that he developed out on, what's the road out there? It's Canfield. I guess it's a field of cans. Canfield, the Canfield. <laughs> you can't miss it. And, well, you can't miss it because they have these beautiful gates and they have like a Patrick Umwa sculpture mm-hmm. out front. Oh, yeah. So it's it's quite lovely, but it's only in the past few years that it's actually been open to the public mm-hmm. and people can come and experience all, all the great things there. So um, tell us a little bit about the farm and how it was developed and, and then we'll get into the products and the type of experiences people can have. Okay. Well, before I get into that, yeah, Canfield Road has really become kind of a U-pick road. You know, it started with Lori um, Duckworth, the Duckworth family, starting the the U-pick blueberry farm, or it's organic. And then there's also an organic raspberry farm U-pick on the same road. And I'm going to start my own apple U-pick. I haven't figured out a U-pick olives yet, but I'm thinking about it. (laughs) You hit with a stick, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then you crush and then you, yeah. So that's been recent. You know, Lori really um, was courageous in starting that. Nobody really believed it would happen. And it's been an enormous success. And so that's inspired me and the others. And so now it's becoming sort of a really burgeoning, you know, uh, community you pick area. A little hot spot. I just yeah. love that. That is so cool. Yeah. I know friends who rave about go blueberry picking there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so apples too. You know, that's how I first became acquainted with the farm is we would buy the apples in the little Goldridge bag. Um, my husband loved those. And when I first came out to the farm, I'm like, oh, it kind of, it made the connection. Oh, these are the apples. It's, it's this the is place. the place. Right. Yeah, I came up with the tote bag idea uh, many, many years ago when uh, I had the heirloom apples, which I still have. And it was impossible to do single variety, you know, UPC codes for all that with grocery stores. So I came up with the tote bag idea just like many, many years ago when they started the mixed heirloom tomato blends. I remembered that. And it used to be much more diverse for heirloom tomatoes Mm -hmm. commercially. Uh, you know, there would be like 15 varieties in, mm-hmm. in in there. And I always filed that away in my brain. And so I thought, well, why not do that with, with my 70 varieties of heirloom apples? And so it ends up being in, in season every week. It changes. Right. It changes to different colors, different ta- flavors, textures. It's really amazing. So every week's just a surprise. Yeah, I so love that. I, I saw that on the website, and I thought, what does that mean? It was It says, you know, mixed heirloom something. And I thought, okay, so you're That's just going to get a bag, and you're just going to get... You get what you get for what's ripe then. Yeah, it's kind of like a CSA concept, yeah. but, you know, with apple totes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. So when you drive by yeah. on Canfield, you see olives, but you don't necessarily see the apple groves. Yeah, people don't even realize I grow uh, as many apple 
trees as I do olive trees. It's just they're much smaller because mm-hmm. the apples are grown on dwarf and sometimes semi-dwarf. The heirlooms are on oh, semi-dwarf wow. rootstock, and the Fujis and Honeycrisps I grow are on dwarf. But yeah, people, it's so funny. People don't realize I have apples. So I started planting some apples right by the olive press. So when people come in, they realize I grow apples also. Yes, there's more oh than gosh. olives here. And Honeycrisp, you just mentioned my favorite thing in life. Oh, mm, yeah. Dang. I believe that's the number one most popular apple. I don't know if you know, the rest of the, you know, the news has caught up with right. it yet. But I, I really feel like from what I've seen uh, from everyone, you know, if you voted for the favorite apple for president right now, I think it would be Honeycrisp. <laughs> uh, Honeycrisp is definitely seems to have surpassed Fuji in popularity right now. But the reason is, is because they have these very special attributes. The Honeycrisp was actually just quite a crazy story, just like antibiotics being discovered by accident and, and like certain essential oils and stuff like that. Um, same thing. With um, with the Honeycrisp, the um, it was at the University of Minnesota, and they it was just another variety that was going to be slated, you know, for not use. And then some people discovered that I actually met a lady at a tour recently that w- her uh, family was involved in that at Uni- University of Minnesota, and it was an interesting story. They came out, and there were some advisors that were supposed to be looking at the attributes of the varieties, and they. They realized this had very special qualities with the texture, with the larger cell walls. So when you mm-hmm. bite into it, that juice explodes in your mouth. Right. It does. Yeah. Yes. So Honeycrisp is really the textural apple that yeah. people that are into texture, they get everything they desire with right. Honeycrisp. So it's going to be hard to really replicate that. Yes, it's hard to unseat that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There recently, I think it was a couple months ago, they you had the heirloom apple celebration, which was a fantastic event. Um, really, to visit the farm is really special. It's very tranquil out there, but the farm um, the celebration was just all the plenty of the products, the apple products, as well as shrubs um, and apple shrubs and apple products. And there was an amazing apple ice cream and with a balsamic vinegar that they were using the apples on. And we make uh, a lot of apple cider syrup too, right from the Fuji's and the Honeycrisp. Yeah. So I bought, I bought a balsamic apple cider vinegar, which is just incredible. Yeah. And I also use, there's an apple pear vinegar. Um, the, extension of the products from apple to vinegars to how you can use them. It's just wonderful for, you know, people who are experimental in the kitchen. But that festival was just so spot on. It was really lovely. I mean, she That's talked great. about that for weeks. That's great. Thank God yeah. you're here. So th- that was my idea. It's only been the second annual, but uh, we used to have the Heirloom Expo, which was such a blessing that, you know, the uh, group that came from the Midwest um, that was involved with Baker's Seeds, oh, wow. um, they uh, have all these heirloom seeds they've been saving, and they had a uh, location in Petaluma. They put on the right. um, the heirloom expo for oh, yes. many years. Yes. And um, so they they moved. I guess uh, after COVID, they shut down and they reevaluated, and they moved down to Ventura County. So we lost that incredible expo that we were so lucky to have here in Santa Rosa at the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I actually won uh, Best of Show the first year I displayed my heirloom apples there. And I really missed that a lot. I wondered about that because I used to go to that every year. It was at the Santa Rosa Fairgrounds. And it was just, it was mind-blowing, the variety and the diversity. You just don't realize how diverse the agricultural roots of all the different types of fruit, squash. Anything. Everything. everything. It it was so educational, but it was also a very tasty event too. Yeah. So what (laughs) happened as a farmer, you know, I I was selling a lot wholesale and, and so with the apples. 
And so these heirloom apples were our fleeting window, you know, all these range of, of flood of colors and flavors and textures passing through quickly and really starting in mid-July up until, you know, about uh, late September, um, that it was just going out to the stores and I wasn't getting any feedback, any connection with with people enjoying it and the expo wasn't happening here anymore. So I decided you know what? We really need to capture this in a bottle. Yeah. We need to capture this in a time capsule, mm-hmm. and we need to celebrate it together as a community. So, I decided let's do the first annual heirloom apple celebration, and uh, we did that uh, last year, and then this year was the second, and it's growing each year. It, it usually sells out, by the way. It did oh sell gosh. out. It, it was great, and the different. Also, you have the local cheesemakers. People with complimentary products are mm-hmm. explained. Had great music. It was a great and a now great we day. have the uh, wood fired pizza oven, which is looks more like a French chapel the way yeah. we did it. <laughs> that was very popular. Um, yeah, great event. I I call it the pizza chapel. The pizza <laughs> chapel where you can worship <laughs> yeah, worship the pizza in America. Definitely. But we do a three day uh, yeast um, natural yeast that breaks down the organic freshly milled wheat as well as a 10% spelt. So it's much better for reducing inflammation. So it's actually kind of a healthy version of pizza. So I'm, I try and incorporate that a lot and give some alternatives. You it know. was extraordinarily delicious. Um, I, I remember it was there was a big line. People, it was so popular, but you just sat there with it. It was such, you know, you're immersed in these great flavors, finished with the oils as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. it was great. So we've been talking about the apples but also the olive oil, which yes, is a I huge, grow two huge things. part. I grow apples <laughs> and olives, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and olive oil is so huge. And California olive oil is pr- probably the leading olive oil in the world at this point, I think. Yeah. Just to give people an idea of what I'm growing out there, it's 88 acres, and I'm growing 70 acres of olives, about 13,000 trees with 21 varieties from across the world. And then I'm growing also about 13,000 apples on 18 acres, and there's about 70 varieties of apples and um, about 10 or 12 varieties of Euro pears and then uh, a handful of Asian pears too, which are all heirlooms too. Stunned at those numbers. I mean, that's yeah. huge. It's. I've been busy for. Yeah, I put a lot. <laughs> I basically put I all my you, youth and energy. But into you this planted thing. all that. I did. Yeah, I planted a lot of it myself. I put the irrigation in. I, I had a lot of help, of course, but and now I have an incredible team. That's. I'm really able to start enjoying dif- different depths and nuances to the farm with a great team and the way we're expanding into different diverse products and connecting with the community with um, value-added, you know, dimensions to our marketing and to our connections and our events and our education aspects. I mean, I'm just um, totally in my element now. I I love what's happening there. Do you do, like, kids' field trips there? Yeah, we have been uh, getting a lot of uh, contacts on that. Lori's been also bridging the way with that, too. She does a lot of uh, education out there. Uh, But we've also been having some seminars, like we had – Pablo Wojcik, who is a you know world-renowned international you know taster consultant for olive oil, he's an expert and he taught an in-depth uh, all-day uh, immersive olive oil tasting um, seminar that um, a lot of people showed up for that. So I encourage people to, if they're interested in do that, I'm really trying to get more education out there as well as events and 
just more pop-ups and more um, fun things for us to do to celebrate all the different uh, changes that go through the year from spring to summer to fall, you know. And is that compatible with your harvest seasons? Apples harvest a little earlier and then the olive harvest comes. It's great. Yeah. So So in farming, we call that succession planting and succession harvesting. And basically with the apples, we have early, mid and late season varieties. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, but then also interspecies, when you go from the apple harvest, that's about when the olive harvest begins after that. And I also, I also press, so I don't know if people are aware, but I have a two ton per hour Rapinelli press. We slow it down to about one and three quarter tons per hour to get a little more uh, oil out of it. But it's really amazing. We produce really great, um, you know, the press doesn't really differentiate between quality. It always, it really depends on what olives come there. Yeah. Right. And, um, right. I had the great privilege to be there two years ago when we were pressing the olives and being able to taste that first runoff. It, it, it's astounding. And the color, everything, it's really all the senses are Vivid. engaged yeah. Uh, yeah. when you experience that. It's just unbelievable. And you have several varieties. I I personally love the Tuscan. I buy that. I use that at home. But you have they have a range of olive oils you produce with the different varieties of yeah. olives. Yeah. So I always love to tell people that, you know, where we live here, I, I love where you live. It's beautiful out here. It's kind of like a hobbit land out here or something. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> when, when you ride your bike out here or walk out here. But um, anyways, I always tell people that we're really, really fortunate where we live. I didn't realize all this when I first moved out here. I've always loved – I've always lived near the coast and always wanted to be near the coast. And that's why I located here. Plus the water is really great out here, the water table, the amount of water we can access – um, in Sonoma County. But um, the one thing that I wasn't aware of that I've learned over my 30 years of farming now that is the single biggest factor in determining the quality of what you're, you know, taking in, olive oil, apples, um, is the climate. Uh, so oh, it's, yeah. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even say it's necessarily the soil in the terroir that people talk about. That is an aspect, I'm sure, with wine and everything. But as far as what I've noticed, it really is just the influence of the coastal aspect. That So we live in what's called a coastal cool climate. And what that does is it slows down the ripening process, has a long, cool ripening process where all the nuances and subtleties of those varieties and species can fully express themselves. It's like a growing in a laboratory environment. If you were to pick the best laboratory environment to grow and experience these qualities that we're looking for, the highest quality yeah. in these varieties, you would pick here. Yes. This is the location. As you go inland, that ripening process is dramatically sped up. It's literally a lot of the qualities are cooked out with the sun, the intensity of the sun, and it's a much quicker ripening process. So you lose that. So you end up with, it's I always like to joke that with the olive oil, uh, people always think, you know, you know, it's by the coast and, and there's lots of surfers and it should be like a, me- a mellow oil, right? An olive oil should be mellow. It's the opposite. It's a very robust yes, olive oil. robust huh. is the perfect word. And yeah. Americans don't realize robust is good. That's yes. what you're looking for. They're used to the the, the fraudulent watered down olive oils that yeah. we're experienced that are not even really and extra people, virgin. People yeah. think the art world is full of fraud. The well, olive oil the world is there's a lot of fraudulent olive oil. It's, from different places yes. on the planet. <laughs> but that robustness, what that is, is the health attributes. That's yeah. the, the polyphenols. The vitality. Yeah. That is the vitality of the plant, literally that lifeblood of the plant, all the antioxidants, anti-inflammatory, antiviral, and anti-cancer properties, which 
we have, whether we like to believe it or not, we have developed a symbiotic relationship over hundreds of thousands of years cultivating and wild harvesting plants. And plants are very much our biome. They're, they're, they're our digestive tract. They, we literally are what we eat. And, yes. and these plants, those life-giving, life-saving, life-enhancing, life-prolonging attributes of those plants, we take that in and it does that for us too. It gives us life protection, you know, health protection. Mm -hmm. It protects us from the cancers and cardiovascular disease, you know, um, autoimmune diseases, neurodegenerative diseases. Yeah. Um, it does that. In fact, olive oil is the healthiest fat because it has right. the, the, the healthiest ratio of um, monounsaturated to polyunsaturated to saturated fats. So it has the highest amount of monounsaturated, which is the good fats. And then it has the least amount of polyunsaturated, which is uh, not healthy for our system. It creates cardiovascular disease, arteriosclerosis. And then, of course, we know saturated fats are not great to do in large amounts because it also causes arteriosclerosis and plaque buildup. So, um, yeah, olive oil is – it's also something you could cook with for eight hours. And the scientific studies have shown that it does not change the chemical constituents of the down. olive oil. And yeah. People aren't aware of that. They think, oh, I shouldn't cook with olive oil. Absolutely. If I you can afford to – We couldn't yeah. live without olive yeah, oil at our I house. Know. Yeah, we now, either couldn't either. If you can't afford to cook yeah. with it, I understand. But yeah. you literally can scientifically cook right. with it. And it's actually very healthy for you along with, you know, avocado oil. And, you know, that's another good oil that's healthy. So this, um, can people come there year round and visit? Is it just, you're up on the weekends? Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, really with the pandemic, we, um, you know, it, I've always wanted to go more connective with the community. Right. Uh, you know, I was sort of losing my inspiration and, uh, you know, it was just getting boring selling wholesale all the time. And I just, you know, human nature, I didn't quite do it. And then the pandemic's like, okay, I lost my restaurant accounts overnight. We I got know. some yeah. funding to help with that, right. but we lost our accounts. Right. And so with all of us, so I decided, um, well, we're doing it now. I mean, the universe was like, it's happening now. And so we literally yes. just went fearlessly ahead, courageously, boldly ahead. And we have done amazingly with my team, you know, Andrea and Naomi. Um, we've been able to go ahead and, and really create I think just the most amazing, unexpected, unbelievable, you know, experience now at Goldridge that I didn't even think was possible, really. But I, it's, I'm realizing it's really limitless what we can do, and we're continuing down that route. It's going to just keep be getting better and better. And what I love is people can come casually, just come and see. You have a tasting center, and people can taste the different products. But you can also book an appointment, do tour the vineyards, tour the olive oil, uh, the olive fields. What do you call it? Olive orchards. Are they groves? Orchards. Yeah, orchards. Groves yeah and but it, I tell you, it is the most tranquil spot out there. I feel it's one of these places, it really is a 360 view. You can see all around, it's unobstructed. It's just so beautiful well, and peaceful olive trees out are there. just beautiful. Yeah. And, but they have a, this magical beautiful um, kind of like very Tuscan building there that is the, um, the Welcome Center. And then there's the um, olive oil and the olive processing equipment in the back. Mm -hmm. It's it's just great. And we also, I, don't, I didn't mention, we custom crushed for over a hundred different growers. So I'm really blessed to be able to see what's happening as a bird's eye view every year. What's, uh, you know, how early or late are the olive, is the olive oil? 
what is the amount of yields it's getting, you know, because it actually changes. There are different environmental factors that can influence that. Like even like the fires we had, the Paradise Fires, actually, um, I've always been curious why do olives as a whole, they have these on and off years, but they do it all together, like the same year, California as a like state. Like some symbiotic relationship yeah. And I wonder the what trees. that was. And I realized, I finally found out with the Paradise Fires, it's really an environmental factor that happens that will do that. So what happened with that was the Paradise Fires, uh, the smoke in October um, encompassed us, you know, kind of like a mini dinosaur extinction, you know, and, <laughs> and it happened for like 10 days and that caused really cold. It, it actually yeah. frosted in October. And it um, and the growers in in the east side, so I call it the east. It's basically east of you know the cool coastal influence we have. So where it's much more frost prone, um, they ended up already having losing in the spring uh, like a third of their flowers, and then in wow. the fall with that October event, they lost the rest. And so that was supposed to be an on year for mm. everyone, actually uh, west and east. You know, from the ocean to the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up taking all the frost-prone areas offline that year, and then the West County stayed online. And now we're still split. Um, I'm still oh, seeing a West yeah. and an oh, East wow. split. And that hasn't gotten back uh, together yet. But at one point, that was together. And that just shows the you know, farming is so vulnerable to such, oh, right. such affected mm-hmm. by nature. It's, it's a nature occupation. And that's an example of how affected we are. Well, that's farming. Farming is just being in touch every day with oh, the, yeah. what is happening on the land and the in the earth and the weather. What's the 2023 harvest looking like for olives? Are you in the middle of that now? We or? had a record harvest last year. So we were on last year. And uh, it's it's fairly consistent. I feel like this is the most consistent year I've done. And that's because... I, I'm the owner, but I put myself in charge of irrigation. And so I do all the olive <laughs> irrigation and I have someone that does the apple irrigation because I actually walk these blocks and check for leaks and right. things like that and every time. And then you're seeing the trees and where they're at and, yeah, and really get, participating exactly. with I'm, it. Right. Yeah. Well, and that helps me in management. So if I can see everything, if right. I'm walking and seeing the farm constantly, I was mentioning about the irrigation. Um, That's something that I, everyone knows olives are xerophytes, which means they're like cactuses. They're like, you know, these plants that are drought tolerant. That's what I would thought. Um, And they do have four layers in their leaves that that really protect them from, you know, lots of wind and, and dry climate. But people don't realize the fruiting actually is very dependent on consistent irrigation. Mm-hmm. So r- literally the trees are going to give you back what you put in yeah. and they really are living, breathing organisms. If you are stressing the tree in any way and you do that consistently, that's going to impact your yield. That's going to impact what flowers and right. what fruits, you know? And so paying attention to realizing these plants are living, breathing organisms is really critical to farming. You know? And olive trees are also some of the longest-lived uh, trees. I mean, they can live hundreds of years. Oh. Well, they're called all lives for a reason. Uh-huh, yes. They, you know, some people believe that they could live perpetually. Um, I'm starting to sound a little bit <laughs> weird on this. But, but now yeah. you see um, these trees, like, you know, some new estate goes in and they transplant some olive tree that's 100 years old. Or, and you think, holy cow. I mean, who can – you dig up a rhododendron it's probably not going to make it. Yeah. Well, they're, they're – <laughs> you know, funny I mean, you say that. It, they're great for transplanting. Yeah. There's a whole industry of transplanting olives from the Central Valley mm-hmm. to, you know, lots of states around. You know, I've done that with – I have eight and uh, – 
I'm going to probably put some more in. And they're like 120 to 150 years old. And Wow. I think it's kind of interesting you talked about the irrigation because in grape growing, they'll talk about stressing the vines mm-hmm. and it's more intense flavor. Yeah. See, I, I'm a water sign. And so I I love watering and um, I don't like stressing anything. I mean, I'm, I'm still <laughs> irrigating right now. Namaste. <laughs> I'm still irrigating right now. And you know, I'm going to irrigate until the trees tell me that, you know, until really the rains come and, and yeah. then they're they're on their own at that point. The rains are actually, people ask, uh, how were the rains last year? Because we had historic With rains. so much, yeah. I mean, it was huge. That was a historical amount of rain and the length of time it lasted. Yeah. And it was actually pretty consistent. So it wasn't like deluges of flooding. No, it was no, just, it was just constant very steady. Yeah. But that, um, those winter rains are absolutely critical for orchards mm-hmm. because um, they're getting drip irrigation, so dip, these little deep. drips yeah, on yeah. just little parts of right, the roots right. throughout the, the, the drought season. Right. So they need that deep watering that gets to all the roots right. and really soaks them for right. months yeah. in order to really uh, show that vigor and that and to be prepared and have the nourishment it needs to produce a large amount of – to carry a big crop of olives and flowers on there. And so I noticed after this last winter that it definitely had a good effect. It, it was they loved it. Also, I love all the line of products. Um, I think you maybe started just with the ciders or the apple cider vinegars and olive oil. Now you have shrubs. Um, Brooke brought us some examples here. At the um, celebration, you could they were making little shrubs. Uh, the love label this. is so beautiful. I'm going to have to get some photos and share that photo. So you add just a little sparkling yeah. water, um, like you make a little cocktail. It could be alcoholic if you want, but it doesn't have to be. I love this. The The flavor profiles of these are just fantastic. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, shrubs are kind of a newer, I believe they're sort of a newer drink. Not a lot of people are aware of the shrubs. Am I am I drinking a shrub? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but they're delicious. It's, it's you know, a great healthy alternative yeah, to Yeah, and they're softens. very healthy as well. Yeah. But they have a line of the different shrub mix you can buy. The vinegars, the balsamic vinegars, the olive oils. That little olive oil can is like the cutest thing ever. Yeah, oh my thank you. gosh, the packaging on that is really. Yeah, we have yeah. some cute packaging, great labels. And actually, um, the apple cider syrup is one of our most popular products. I'm actually making a lot of apple cider syrup right now from the juicing apples. So there's there's really you know, two types of apples. There's the the ones that go to the market that are perfect and large and everyone thinks they all grow like that. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Um, and then there's the reality. The reality right. is there's uh, probably about 40% of everything, all the apples we grow are either too small or right. they have a bird peck or Lamish. they have a, yeah. right. a wormhole or they have something. Yeah. They're lived in. Yes, yeah. right. Or it could even They're be a twig natural. brushing against yeah. it, yeah. you know? And that's enough to make it where you can't sell it. So... Uh, what I've been doing is uh, using it for products, all the vinegars, as well as the um, the syrup, the apple cider syrup. So right now I'm literally taking like um, two batches a day. We're doing fresh batch uh, syrup making. So we're and that's a to... syrup. So what are people doing with that syrup? Well, I mean, you could people love it. I mean, you could drizzle it on the ice cream. I've said, I've like a been finishing ice cream thing. syrup, pancakes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... Equivalent to like a maple syrup. Yeah. But yeah. it's but what a great flavor apple would be. Oh, the flavor. But also yeah. the pear. You have some pears there. And I know I, I buy the apple pear cider vinegar. It's just delicious. I this you also brought a sample of the apple cider balsamic. This is fantastic. We just had this last night. We had some butternut squash. 
and I drizzled this on it. Fantastic. Look at you all yeah. fancy over there. Yeah. Well, it makes easy. <laughs> These products are are so delicious and they fit into whatever you're doing. You know, you can just be very creative. But we're so lucky here where we live. You driving, you see apple orchards everywhere. You know, you really yeah. see all these older, some abandoned. So but many abandoned so ones, many so it's heartbreaking. Ones yeah. that it's nice that people kind of some, a lot of cideries adopt these abandoned orchards yeah. Yeah, yeah. and cultivate them to use in cider because we have a lot a lot going on with the wine, cider. There's some kind of um, people co-fermenting wine and cider together. Do you know that company? Things. There's a, a, a couple young men that have that cider company that go out and actually just harvest abandoned orchard apples in, in Sonoma County. And oh, I've yeah. heard of them. Um, yeah. That's, I, I don't know the name, but yeah. That's really cool. I, I hope we can preserve some of those varieties because, um, you know, that's why I grow the heirlooms is because, you know, people ask, well, what defines an heirloom? Well, First of all, it, it's an heirloom gem, so it's something that, that's been handed down from families. So there's a cultural aspect to it. And secondly, there's um, the genetics. So mm-hmm. the heirlooms provide all the genetics we have that made the apples we have now. It's like the potato. If we have just one variety and we rely on that, if something happens, right. mm-hmm. you have a famine, you have a disaster. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we need to preserve all these we apple need to diversify for our genetic yeah. history. Yes. And then also the last factor is is whether it's commercially grown. So if something's not commercially grown, it's vulnerable to being lost. And so we need to call that an heirloom. We need to preserve it as an heirloom. Um, and, it, you know, so it doesn't have certain attributes, like it's not all red, red delicious or, you know, or... Right. Or it's not a Honeycrisp or something. So yeah. we, we still need to preserve that even though we love the Honeycrisp. Right. We still need to um, – It's still important. And, and I don't – I say the word need. I mean we get to. I mean um, some of these varieties are so fun to enjoy. Like my favorite apple – is the pink pearl? It's oh, it's an, that's my daughter's. I love that, that is hysterical. That's so exciting. Gosh, to I, love I that. finally decided this year. It's actually taken me so a long time funny. to decide, but <laughs> she was just crazy about it. You have to have this, mom. It's a pink pearl. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that's actually a local. It's a Humboldt County Albert Edder creation. Something that he didn't even realize was something that he targeted for the nurseries. The nurseries that he sent as he was aging. He's now passed away, but as he was aging, he sent some varieties to. The nursery in the in uh, down in the in the Bay Area, and they didn't take the eight apple varieties he sent, but they went up to his farm, which was a hub for Wixen and Burbank. It was kind of like yeah. a farmer hub. They liked right. what he was doing up there, and they would hang out there. <laughs> farmer hub, I love and it. And so the nursery person <laughs> went up there and found the pink pearl and said, "Well, I'm going to carry that this." Is yeah, so funny. But I what I love about pink pearl is. It just is mind-blowing. I mean, it, it gives you an idea of how wild and mind-blowing these apples can be. I mean, it really has the most phenomenal color. It has a, a lime green exterior with a pearlesque and pink actually coming through the skin. Yeah. And then when you cut it open, it has the most vibrant pink color. And then when you bite into it, it's it's equally profound and, it, you know, it mimics the, the looks It's exciting. The it's piquant. It's everything yeah. at once. Yeah. It's a blend of sweet and, and sour. I, I, it's just, you know, tart and sweetness. And um, <laughs> it's very, I call it punchy. So it, it, it yes. really wakes you up. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think in, not in a tart way, over tart way, but it, and you do have to, the first pink pearls, I mean, that's not ripe is going to be kind of bitter sour. and yeah. it's not going to taste very good. But if you let it, if you just ripen, you know, yeah. how do you know when an apple's ripe? Well, the tree, and this is with olives too, the tree is going to start calling out that it's ripening. It's going to do that through color. So it's the olives are going to 
they're going to change from a green where it's sort of camouflaged and hiding in the mm-hmm. tree. And it's going to start lighting up like little gold lanterns. And it's going to start letting you know, hey, I'm getting ripe. Start paying attention to me. And then it's going to start adding sunset colors. And I usually harvest when uh, the predominant majority of the olives uh, of that variety, because that, I do go through succession harvest. So I'll go variety by variety. But um, when most of them are have about three quarters sunset colors on it, so three quarters of the fruit has coloration, has Verizon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the apples, it's the same thing. You're looking at, you know, the, I mean, some apples are green undertones, but usually they're changing from a green undertone to a gold undertone. And, and then the coloration is going to be very vibrant. And, and when you bite into the apple and taste it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to tell you that it's ready, that yeah. it's ripe. And some will start even falling on the ground. Usually you lose a certain amount of apples are going to inevitably fall before you get to it. Just right. because when you're picking tree ripe, like we do at Goldridge, I mean, that's my philosophy is to, I don't pick for, you know, for a distributor where it sits in a warehouse right. for weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. I pick where it goes straight to market. It goes right. in people's mouths within a couple days. You know, like, it's not just an apple. Really think about it and taste it and look at the color. And Well, we're open to the public every Friday and Saturday. Looked at the website. And um, gosh, also read the testimonials on the website. And you'll just be ordering whether you uh, can go there or not. Because <laughs> clearly everyone that has bought things writes in and tells you how amazing it is. We just started a program where we're gonna, people can actually have gifts sent to you know, relatives or, or if it's a corporation or whatever, you can, we can actually send it to each individual. So we offer that. Nice. Corporate and you have this awesome, like, kumquat tree in the front there that, what is, there's mm. something very special about those. So that's I've a, never had, is it a hybrid? That's called a mandarin quat. Okay. Those uh, which are Which is a mandarin amazing. orange and a kumquat cross, you know, so that, it's weird. It's like an interspecies cross. So a mandarin orange and a kumquat. And so it makes the most, again, a very interesting, unique uh, fruit because when you bite into it, uh, you're actually eating the skin. It's pretty much the only citrus I know where you're eating the skin. And they're bite-sized. So they're like these little vitamin capsules that taste amazing and it explodes in your mouth. The the, the flavor of those, the first time I ever had one was uh, two years ago. I was at a little event and they said, now we're going to taste these. And everyone was, their minds were blown how amazing they are. Because it's not like just a kumquat. There's and you this, don't even notice that yeah. you're eating the skin. Yeah, it no, doesn't, no. It's not like uh, chewy or, or pulpy. It's just part of the experience. Yeah, it's just uh, really wonderful. And I noticed this is one of the shrubs is the mandarin kumquat. I'm I'm taking this home and making a shrub tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just... Yeah. And, and vinegar products are really healthy. And we also make the mandarin um, mandarin kumquat olive oil. So we have the mandarin quad olive oil and the Myers lemon olive oil that we grow there organically. Everything's organic at Gold. We are. We're a Gold Ridge family in, in my kitchen. So thank you very for much. Sure. So I thank have you. to go there. So I would just encourage our listeners to check out your website. It's goldridgeorganicfarms.com. Yeah. I encourage people to check out West County. I believe that Sebastopol is such a gem with the Barlow now being open with all the small businesses and just the amount of beauty and abundance in West County where we're really growing some of the highest quality food mm-hmm, to yeah. be found in the world. Yeah. I And especially check out, you know, Canfield Alley, which is, uh, I know. you know, <laughs> where uh, like we it. have three U-picks now I during summer. I think that summer. is so cool. It's, it's about 
three minutes from here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Very close. Okay. Well, thank you, Brooke. We so appreciate you taking the time. Oh, oh I was going to ask thank you. you so so when you're not busy being a farmer, what, where do you go? What do you do in our beautiful county? Well, I love to hike like uh, Armstrong Woods, Pomo Canyon, mm. uh, Sonoma Coast State Beach. Um, hiking, uh, you know, I'm very athletic, so I love to to hike and get – I love nature. Of course, that's what got me into farming. Right. So I love to get out there and hike. And, uh, you know, I also go to some of the restaurants and especially Sebastopol. I mean, Redwood. I love I love Sebastopol. I got to say, I feel so like So does I'm, Marcy. Trust me. <laughs> I am right at home here. I mean, it, it's Sebastopol, for those that don't know, it's really a, a beautiful blend of environmentalism and farming, agriculture, you know, sustainability, um, creativity. There's, there's a lot of artists. So like, many artists. Like Patrick mm-hmm. Am- Amois, yeah. yes. who, who lives on Florence right. Avenue. And you drive down Florence Avenue in downtown Sebastopol. Like and an it's an amazing <laughs> experience. It's an outdoor museum of all these different cute, whimsical sculptures that he does from reclaimed metal. And he actually did the gate for our entrance. Yeah, the gate is beautiful. It's an olive. One side is olive branches with with different uh, insects on it. Another one is apples on it with insects and butterflies and birds and, um, yeah. <laughs> it's all happening in Sebastopol. I love it here. I'm so there's plenty to see in West Canada. I, it's a great experience that people aren't usually aware of. All righty. Well, thank you, Brooke. So glad you came. Oh my gosh, this was great. I mean, <laughs> I really just too. feel. Like, you could make me a better person. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll sign you up I mean, for that. <laughs> it's a good start anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's my goal. Power to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you on the wine this road. Is great. Thank you. Thank you.